0: That was that lovely old song, the push bike song by The Mixtures. It used to be that backpacking was the thing. Now it's bikepacking, traveling on two wheels with as little luggage as you can fit on the bike for multi-day journeys. But to do it successfully, you probably need the expertise of someone who's done this around Australia and in many places around the world. Graham Kemlow speaks to the expert Andrew Bain, whose latest book features 40 Australian itineraries, many here in Victoria. It's a handsome tome. It's probably not one you're going to stick in your pannier as you uh, cycle around the country. It's it's a fairly weighty piece of work. And, uh, Andrew, uh, welcome to Travel Writers Radio. It's quite a book.
1: Yeah, thanks, Graham. I'm, I'm hoping it is a good read.
0: It's also got terrific imagery, and I think you've covered pretty much the whole country. There's a, there's a chunk of Western Australia you don't see to have ventured into on your bicycle, you know, not much north of Perth, basically. So I don't blame you for that. Maybe that's the subject of another book.
1: Yes, well, I have cycled up there. It's just there's not a whole lot of suitable infrastructure to suggest short tours up there.
0: No, and I guess that's what's your, you know, I guess good time to talk to you. The cycling's on people's minds with the Tour de France, but this is a different type of cycling, isn't
1: it? It is. I mean, this is pure leisure cycling in the book, and it's for people who want to get out on rail trails, do a bit of mountain biking even, and you know, your classic road tours, two days through to week-long type stuff down the east coast of Tassie or along great ocean road those type of you know old style classic road tours
0: right i guess the first thing to think about in in this whole process is have you got a suitable bike to do this you're certainly not going to hop on one of those tour de france bikes they're probably too expensive for most of us anyway but what what's your recommendation on a a bike suitable to do the sort of multi-day cycling that you're talking about here in the book
1: yeah, so it's, a, it's still a mix. I mean, it, it's, you know, horses for courses or bikes for courses in this case. But I think yeah, you probably your best bet overall is a hybrid bike, which is essentially a classic commuter bike. Right. So you can still fit a rack on the back and a couple of panniers, you know, front and back if need be, and you can cover good ground on those. But equally, nowadays, if you want to take it a bit off-road, you know, get off the highways and hit a dirt road, sort of the new breed of gravel bikes, well Is that suited, like a BMX
0: on steroids, or what's a gravel bike? No,
1: it's it's more like a, a road bike sort of hotted up. It's a um, classic road bike look, but with sturdier spoke systems, wider tyres, so you've got good riding geometry, but you've also got a bit more strength and brute to the bike.
0: Right, so it'll handle the, the tough stuff that you're going to put it through, the the jumping and all the rest of it, Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, yes, yeah, so it'll just take bumps and a lot better and sit in sort of loose dirt a lot better. You don't have to worry about sliding around like you would on a road bike.
0: I bring up the Tour de France because it's on and I'm enjoying watching it as much for the scenery as anything else. So, the parve they talk about, the, uh, well, I suppose, what we'd call bluestone uh, roadways or cobbled roadways, is that what you would expect if you do want to go off road with your bike? Are you likely to have to try and maintain? your place on the bike and still get along at a reasonable speed?
1: Yeah, I mean, in Australia, it's it's more you're contending with corrugations and dust. So, uh-huh. yeah, you're looking at that classic sort of jolty ride um, once you hit a dirt road here or depending where you are, if you hit the sort of bulldust country, sand country, it's it's just about learning the balance and pace. I mean, you've got to hit patches of sand at a certain speed to be able to get through them. Otherwise, uh-huh. it's like riding in quicksand. Quicksand,
0: yeah, yeah. I guess the other thing that always worries me is how is your backside going to fare? It seems to be the shock absorber in uh, on most situations between a human and a bike. I mean, are you able to prevent saddle soreness?
1: Uh, it's sort of that hard won battle. Before you really get out there, you you want to be in a saddle that you're used to, mm-hmm. a and b, a good pair of nicks. So you know, cycling shorts with with foam all... or
0: something in them.
1: Yeah, with the classic uh, chamois sort of inside them. Yeah. That will um, that will take away some of the, the the jolting, but also some of the sliding around because um, you know the, a rash is not a, a fun thing to be sitting on. No. But it's a matter of time. You you adjust to your seat, eventually you become very comfortable with it. And once you've ridden a lot, even a harder seat feels better than a softer seat because you don't slide around as much. And often, if you're hiring a bike, a really good idea is to take a seat off your own bike. Throw that in your luggage and fit that to the bike you're going to be on. Okay. And then you don't have to get used to a new seat because the moment you're on a seat you've never been on before, you, you're in for a world of pain for a few days.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting idea. I had never thought, I assume they're all pretty much interchangeable.
1: They are. Yeah, the place you hire from will simply change that over for you. And it is a five minute job. It's you know, usually two bolts and that's it.
0: Now, I just want to ask you uh, because some of, the, well, at least two of our reporters have been travelling in Europe by bicycle and they've taken e-bikes now how practical are they
1: yeah they're they're really good and practical these days I mean if you're going really really remote then you've got your issues of where and when and how you're able to charge them right. but otherwise you know even if you were touring along staying in caravan parks you can charge that battery every night and then you've, you've got an easier ride through the day. Like I'm, I'm still one of the, the old school cyclists who resists switching to E, but mm. I have ridden E-bikes you know, many times and they do make life a whole lot easier on the road.
0: So, but you're not necessarily using it 100% of the time. Is that the story?
1: Well, you'd have it on because uh, an e-bike not switched on can be a very heavy beast. Right. But you've you've typically got a whole bunch of settings from um, economy all the way through to turbo. So, right. if you were just trotting along on the flat, you'd probably stick it to economy. It just takes away some of the strain of the cycling. You hit a hill, you, you crank it up a bit, and again, it takes out a lot of the effort. But right. not all of it. You're still you still piloting that thing and, and driving it. You know, for every million cyclists, there's a million different setups. Yeah. Like, you know... You, Everyone's got a tweak on how they like to carry their gear, and you have you got you've got your trailers which have been around for years, um, and more and more so now people are bikepacking, which is doing away with trailers, doing away with panniers, and you're just puzzling a smaller lot of bags around your bike. So right. that you're not as wide, you're not as heavy, and particularly for off-road cycling, it's kind of the new rage, and it's mm. it's a really I quite I really enjoy travelling that way. So
0: you don't wear a backpack you put try to put everything on the bike so you're still free to exert maximum sort of force,
1: yeah? Yeah, so you have a bag hanging under the seat, you'll have another strap to the handlebars, you have one fitted in the triangle of the frame. Like for a couple of the rides for the book, say for the Great Ocean Road and across the Southern Highlands, I was out riding for a week and I just had one bag hanging from the saddle. So with one change of clothes and a couple of spares and by staying in motels every night rather than camping, that was all I needed. Right. And I... I would have maybe five kilograms of gear on the bike, and that's it.
0: That sounds like an interesting uh, occupation you've had for yourself. How long did it take you to, uh, to develop the book? You've covered the whole of Australia pretty much.
1: Yeah, the book was uh, about a 12-month project. Oh, okay. So it was done through the middle of COVID, so it was a matter of hitting borders as I could as they opened. Right. Yeah, um, and just travelled around Australia. At one stage, I th- threw a couple of my bikes in the car, Went between rides and a couple of months on the road doing that, and then flew across to WA and up to the NT, and yeah, just had a great twelve months of life on the bike, essentially. Yeah.
0: Now you've got about forty odd itineraries here um, spread around the country. Tasmania, where you live, has, has got five of these, and Victoria's got a bit, got nine, I think. Um, you must have done a lot of riding in Victoria, yeah.
1: Yes, I have, and because Victoria has the the best rail trail network in Australia, so it's a really really good place to ride. Just up if you to don't...
0: Warburton and places like where the old train uh, was taken out. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah, the, you've got the um, the Lilydale to Warburton line. You've got the Great Victorian Rail Trail in from Mansfield across near to Seymour. That's a, again an old railway route that's disused, and the classic one's Murray to Mountains, which is um, Wangaratta across to Bright. That's probably the most popular rail trail in Australia. And again, because you've got winery stops, you've got great food stops, it's like, you know, the cycling's kind of just the means to the end on a trail like that.
0: And I notice you've got a couple of pages list listings of uh, the best of, so the best of autumn colours and things like that. Is that something that you sort of thought up as you're going along? Um, how'd you come up with that idea? It's a good idea.
1: Yeah, it was a spin off. I had an earlier book a year before about great bike trips around the world and we developed that concept then um, and it is it's purely based on when you're you know you're picking a ride There's usually it's not just you want to ride you want some other element to it so again like I think there's a, a, a best wine rides type list because there's so many great wine regions to ride through in Australia and mm. you're often going to build a trip around that theme and the cycling is your way to get from A to B stopping at um, all these places in between. It's not just that you want to get out and have a bike ride. You want it's the incidental[s] you bring to that bike ride that you're really after.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now you've ridden uh, large parts of Europe, Asia, North America, and New Zealand. Uh, so this is this is what features in your other book. Is it on the uh, the world cycling trips?
1: That's right. Yeah, that's got uh, that's got about thirty six rides across every continent in the world, or longer multi-day trips than the australia book the australia yeah. books a mix of day rides and multi-day rides where the the world book because if you're traveling to europe you you know you want a book that's going to give you a week-long ride rather than a, a day ride was my sure. theory on that one
0: No, well you've, you've obviously put in a lot of hard yards on the bike and uh in the research uh, area just to get all this information and the photographs are terrific a lot of them you've taken yourself haven't you
1: that's right yeah yeah i always travel with a, a camera strapped somewhere handy
0: I noticed a few of the situations. You've been a bit like a, a vlogger. You've obviously said, oh, there's a good spot. Well, I'll just park the camera there and I'll ride on like I was being photographed by someone else.
1: That's right. A lot of tripod work. And yeah,
0: I, I, I can tell. No,
1: and Austin often takes about 12 shots to get yourself in the yeah, right spot. No, I
0: know. Like that basically. must be frustrating. Um, <laughs> uh, but but look, they, it, it really does come up uh, well as, uh, as a read. So I think for our listeners, if... Uh, if they've got a desire to get on a bike and, and go and look at the country, here's a great way to start with some tried and true trails that Andrew has has experienced. Uh, it's also, I th- I would think this is a great gift for somebody who is interested, and I guess you're talking about probably mature age people, that Would you wouldn't be ruling them out, but you're also probably not including kids in this, are you?
1: Well, some of the rides were deliberately geared towards families, so... Particularly like those rail trails um, just outside of Melbourne. So when you mentioned the Warburton to Lilydale and the Bass Coast Rail Trail, they're, and potentially like the Tumbarumba to Rosewood Trail in New South Wales, they're ones you can do in an hour or two. At each end, there's good cafes, parks. They're really good rides with kids.
0: And they're uh, they're fairly safe. There's no no serious risk-taking? No other traffic? No,
1: No, those rides are all completely off-road. That's the joy of them. Right. So they're, they're again, they're, they're those rail corridors that have been either sealed or turned into hard-rolled earth and really, really easy riding. The great joy of, of those type of converted railways is that the railway builders didn't like hills. You no, know, The trains had to have flat terrain, so that means they equally convert to fairly flat bike riding.
0: Is there any other places in the world that you haven't ridden yet that you'd like to tackle?
1: Uh, yeah, I'd love to get into South America. There's... Yeah? It's... Continent I haven't ridden in, and there's, there's an amazing route south, the Terra Austral, which basically takes you to the, the southernmost road end in is the that world.
0: Go like down to Ushuaia.
1: Yeah, sort of heading in that direction. Yes, but but on is the, it on the roads the or side.
0: on it? There's actually a trail off road. Is there?
1: No, it's on road, but it's it's very like light, tra- lightly trafficked. It's right. slowly being sealed over the years, so it's now about half sealed. You you hop between a bunch of ferries along the way, and you end up. Quite near Monte Fitzroy region.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, and there's another book there for you by the sound of it, Andrew.
1: That's right. <laughs> Certainly wouldn't roll it out.
0: No, absolutely. So, how many years have you had your
1: backside on a bike? It'd be just about twenty-two, twenty-three years now. Okay. So, I wasn't a cyclist at all, and then uh, as I approached the age of thirty, I just decided to cycle around Australia uh, back in nineteen ninety-nine. Yeah. That's right. So, it was a, yeah, one of those sort of on the off-the-cuff ideas. Right. I'm pretty stubborn, so I just stuck at it, and 14 months later, I you know, completed that route. And so,
0: did you obviously have to chuck in a job to do that, did you?
1: Yeah, well, I, was, I was backpacking in Europe at the time, so I'd been sort of on the road for two and a half years and um, returned home but didn't want to finish travelling. So, I did that, and I wrote a book about that trip and wrote a travel articles as I went and financed it that way Right. Um, plus, plus it's a really really cheap way to travel
0: well yeah. I, I, I wish you well and congratulate you on what you've actually done and the book I just commend to uh, our listeners out there ultimate cycling trips of Australia Andrew <laughs> thank you so much for your time I've enjoyed chatting with you and uh, I have enjoyed
1: reading through the book thank you it's been great
0: Graham Kemlo there with Andrew Bain whose book Ultimate Cycling Trips Australia is just published by Hardy Grant. This is the Travel Rider Show on JAIR 88FM in Melbourne.